It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. There are two different scheduling formats being discussed at the SEC annual meetings in Destin. And good news, they both benefit the Auburn Tigers. Well, Zach, I, I actually just finished crushing some chicken farm. I'm, I'm freaking ready to rock and roll. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Before we jump into scheduling talk, in our second segment, we will talk about another publication that is labeled Auburn to finish last in the SEC West. We share our thoughts on that. And also in the third segment today, we are joined by the Locked On Magic host to talk about their thoughts on landing Jabari Smith potentially in this month's NBA draft. We're joined by Lance Dahl, Auburn Daily editor and host of Locked On Wildcats. And man, the the meetings down in Destin, right? Um, There was a lot of talk going into it about the whole Jimbo Fisher versus Nick Saban thing. People even pulled up the seating chart, which I think was a tad ridiculous, but I ate up every second of it and analyzed the heck out of it. But Lance, the big thing that matters the most from this is the scheduling. And there's two proposed options. None of them have to do with pods, but everybody does agree on one thing, that it teams need to play each other more often, which I think is great. And then You hosting Kentucky and covering an SEC East team and also an SEC West team, they hardly ever overlap in football. So I I think that's an interesting angle, and I think it's good. But I think whether it's the one plus seven, where an SEC team keeps one protected rival and then you rotate the seven, or the three six, where you keep three protected rivals and you rotate six, I think that is, uh, I think they both benefit Auburn, Lance. And my reasoning is, regardless of who the protected opponent is, with the the one seven, it's obviously going to be Bama. With the three six, it'll probably be Bama, Georgia, and my gut says LSU. Uh, But regardless, with everything rotating after that, even though that's extremely tough, your year in and year out schedule, I think, is easier from year to year for what it typically is. Yeah, absolutely. I think you look at the six other schools that you'd have to play in in your conference slate and things would probably balance out. I mean, like you were saying, getting to play some teams from the SEC East as opposed to having to go through the SEC West gauntlet every single year the way that we have been, I think it's going to be beneficial for Auburn to maybe catch a Vanderbilt every other year, catch a Missouri, catch a Kentucky. You know, I definitely think that Auburn would like their chances against a team like that, as opposed to having to go on the road to Ole Miss, Arkansas, Texas A&M. I definitely think Auburn would benefit from that. I think that another way that you could look at this as potentially being a negative thing, and I talked about this recently on Locked On Kentucky, is having that extra conference game could potentially damage a team's ability to get to bowl eligibility. So you look and you have three non, non-conference games, right? If we switch to the nine-game SEC slate, you then have to find three more wins in non-conference play instead of two. And you may say, well, that's not that difficult to do. Well, you look at the SEC West, 
I mean, honestly, right now with the way things are shaping up, if you're sitting here as Auburn, how do you look at the rest of what's going on in the division and say, I'm comfortable picking out three wins instead of two? I mean, you've got Arkansas on the rise. You've got Ole Miss on the rise. Mississippi State is always going to do something weird. And Auburn got to see that firsthand last season. So, I mean, getting to bowl eligibility now, if we do have the three six model, which I think is what the SEC would lean towards, it's what I'm personally leaning towards. So that may just be my bias creeping into this well, argument. And, and Kentucky's AD spoke out in favor of the three six. And it sounds like uh, according to his comments that the schools that were going into the meetings feeling like one seven was the way to go are now shifting more towards the three six. And I don't know. I, I don't think I care either way. Um, I'm for more SEC games as a whole, so I guess I am for the three six. Um, I, I, I just, I, I think regardless, Auburn's going to be in a better spot, and I think most teams in the SEC West are going to be in a better spot because instead right. of playing Ole Miss one year, you may play South Carolina, which is weird from an Auburn perspective because the last two years South Carolina's whooped us or found a way to win. Um, but instead of an Ole Miss, you may get a South Carolina. Instead of an Arkansas, you may get a Missouri. Instead of an LSU, if that's not a protected opponent for Auburn, you may get a Vanderbilt. And all of those are, are drastically different. And sure, you may get a Florida, um, depending on, you know, if Florida's up or down the, on the year. But I, I think it's a good situation. I think it's a good situation. And in the 3-6, you get to keep all of the folks that really value rivalries happy. And so it seems like a win-win situation. Right, and that's why I'm in favor of the 3-6 as opposed to the 1-7 is because Auburn has more than one rivalry that I personally would like to see continue. I mean, obviously, if we're in the 1-7, Auburn's uh, rival or, excuse me, protected opponent is going to be Alabama. But I still want to continue the Deep South's oldest rivalry with Georgia, and I would love to find a way to continue the rivalry with LSU. So I like the 3-6 model better than the 1-7. And then, like you said, getting to get that extra conference game against potentially a weaker opponent is beneficial. And I think something else to add on to this, I know that I said bowl eligibility may be an issue, but the positive side of having that extra conference game is revenue. Instead of having your team blow out a cupcake and not a lot of people coming to see it, you get an extra conference game that people are going to care about more and people are going to show up for. So that's an extra added revenue source yeah. for your team. I think that I think getting to play a team like South Carolina over getting to play a team like Tulane is going to be more entertaining for the fan base as a whole. So there are a lot of different angles that you can look at this as a positive thing. And I know that there are a couple different ways that you could look at this negatively. Like from the Kentucky perspective, for me, there are a lot of reasons why this could be a bad idea for the Wildcats being a mid-tier to beneath average team in the SEC any given years. But for Auburn, I definitely think it's a good thing. Well, it, this kind of stinks for the teams like Kentucky where their biggest rival is not in the SEC because you're going to have to play nine conference games in Louisville or, yep. you know, South Carolina, they're going to play nine SEC games in Clemson. Georgia probably doesn't care. Nine SEC games in Georgia Tech, Florida. I mean, right now FSU is down, but it, it adds a different dynamic. Uh, I don't think there's any question about that. 
And I definitely think that when you're looking at making changes with Texas and Oklahoma coming to the SEC, uh, the SEC is not looking at this and saying, oh, we've got to find a way to protect Missouri. Oh, we've got to find a way to protect Kentucky. No, they're looking at the mid-tier to the cream of the crop and saying, how do we make sure these programs continue to thrive because they're the moneymakers? These are the teams that are getting into the playoff. These are the teams that are making noise for the good of the conference as a whole. How do we preserve these teams? while also not not necessarily screwing over the others, right? And I think that the 3-6 is going to allow the SEC to do that, but I'm curious to see how they sort out the protected opponents because one way or another, I think some fan bases are going to end up being upset. Yeah, I mean, you can't make everybody happy, but I, I, th- I think the SEC has handled this really, really well, even including, you know, Oklahoma and Texas coming in. They weren't able to attend the meetings. They weren't allowed because they're not technically in the conference yet. But they still reached out to them, uh, Texas and Oklahoma representation, before the week started um, to get their thoughts. And I, I think that that could go a long way. All right. Another publication has predicted Auburn to finish last in the SEC West. Is that legitimate? Or is it ridiculous? We talk about that in just a moment right here on Locked on Auburn. Today's show is brought to you by BetOnline.net, your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. Look, you can bet on every single game of the NBA Finals, including the action that happened last night. Also, Major League Baseball is virtually every night. And also, starting later today, the College World Series uh, is getting going with regional weekend happening. And, of course, the action happening at Plainsman Park. You can get involved in all of that at Bet Online. Bet Online is your continued source for all sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. Bet Online. Where the game starts. The NCAA tournament is almost here. And listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Lance, in, uh, in one of the preseason magazines that I get every year, the Lindy Sports Edition, shout out to Tank Bigsby making the cover, um, they do their conference picks. And the way they have the SEC West stacking up is Alabama, Texas A&M, Arkansas, Ole Miss, LSU, Mississippi State, and then Auburn. And the way they have this table set up is good news, bad news, our call. So good news for Auburn is Brian Harson survived rumor mill, running back Tank Bigsby, uh, rejected the portal, which that's great. Glad he's still here. Uh, bad news, quarterback Bo Nix left after team went into tailspin late last season. Team needs to find leadership. Little dramatic there, but I get where they're coming from. And then the R call, questions at quarterback and lack of overall talent likely spell a 500 season and more grumbling. What are your thoughts on those comments and then also your thoughts on Auburn finishing last, being projected to finish last in the SEC West? Well, I'll say this first. As a national publication, I think it's really difficult to get people on the ground to really touch base and see what exactly is going on within the program. So you see the bad news there and saying that they lack leadership. I think a lot of people around Auburn would tell you, based on the way this offseason has gone, I think Auburn is really starting to rally the troops and they're getting everybody heading in the right direction. So well, I'm not and, saying... And I'm glad that you say that because they have a full... If you get the 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 one that's available in Alabama, they have like a feature on each of the Alabama 
teams. And the one in Auburn is this like awesome, awesome commentary from John Samuel Shanker and Nick Brahms. And it's like, I don't know. It sounds like there's plenty of leadership with those two guys. Yeah, exactly. And I, you read through the rest of the, the magazine. Whenever they discuss Auburn, outside of the part where they have to discuss the positives, where they literally say, we're discussing the positives, they are criticizing Auburn or they are saying things yeah. that would indicate that they are projecting a really bad season for the Tigers. And I think that that's fair for different people to have different opinions and for different projections to be thrown out there. Yeah. I would also like to point out the fact that Auburn returns a decent amount of production, something that Lindsay says themselves is Auburn's actually pretty strong in the trenches this season in terms of experience and then in terms of production on the defensive side of the ball. So there's a lot of reasons to believe that Auburn shouldn't finish last in the SEC West, and we can get into those, but I I like Lindy's. I, I consistently enjoy reading their magazines, but this is one of those predictions where uh, it, it's a little bit of bias here. Uh, but I, I just don't see Auburn finishing last in the SEC. And you look one team above them, Mississippi State. Mississippi State, in my mind, is a lot like Georgia Tech whenever Paul Johnson was there. Mm. They're running a very weird style of offense that against some teams it works and against some teams it really, really doesn't work. And they will have years where they win nine or ten games and then they'll have years where they lose nine or ten games and so I think Mississippi State is not going to consistently being going up and up and up and up with Mike Leach there I think it's going to be a roller coaster so do we project this year to kind of be something like it was last year or maybe a little bit worse that's kind of what I'm leaning towards with Mississippi State and with Auburn I'm leaning towards there being a climb because we were we were consistent quarterback play away from winning eight or nine games last season if you get lucky so I I, I just don't I don't see this prediction. Yeah, and I just think from top to bottom, we'll do a whole show on this in the coming weeks, but from top to bottom, I think this team is better than it was last year. Um, and I know the bad news that Lindy's puts out is, you know, Bo Nix leaving after um, a tough end of the season. But Is that bad? I could see how it looks bad, but we all talked about it as soon as he entered the portal, and it was like, okay, the Brian Harson era is starting now. Like, but once again, the goalpost moved a few months later um, in the at the start of the offseason. So is it bad? Like, I, I don't think any of these quarterbacks right now are better than Bo Nix. But I think it's a healthy kind of, I don't know, I think it's just a healthy situation that he's not the quarterback anymore. Right. Like, I'd like to think that somebody on this roster is going to consistently have a higher floor than what Auburn's had at quarterback over the past couple of years. But the ceiling is the question mark. So is it a bad thing? Like you said, I think it can be perceived as a negative thing. But exactly like you just said, I think Auburn is in a healthier place now than where they were a season ago. I think so. But yeah, I mean, just for context here, um, and like their first bit of content in this magazine on page six, after they do like the editor's letter and all that stuff. Like their first bit, they've got a list of five coaches on the hot seat. And Brian Harson's the second coach that they list after um, Nebraska Scott Frost. And it's like, okay, it's going to be that kind of perception for Auburn in this, uh, in this publication, which isn't a surprise, but you know, it, it would have been nice for, you know, some out of the box thinking on this. Yeah, and you look at their their top 25, and they rank every single Division One team, and they've got Auburn 47th in the nation, 12th best team in the SEC, which, which I also don't see, and something that they mention in the little blurb on five hot coaches on the hot seat. 
they say, and Brian Harson could have been the Mark Few of college football. It's like, that's still not out the window. It's one year, guys. It's one year. And so I understand the perception that Auburn, you know, after one year is like, oh, well, they may not be in a great place with Brian Harson, but it, it, it's going to be very difficult to fire a guy after two seasons. Yeah. You've got to be able to give him an opportunity to really do things. And the thing that a lot of different media members continue to come back to is like Nick Saban went seven, won seven games in his first year with Alabama. If I'm not mistaken, he lost ULM. It, things yeah, just take still time. Not the same thing because he had like a top three recruiting class coming in. So a little different, a little different. Sure. But yeah, different. Uh, there's different starting points for everybody, for sure. Um, Lance, we're about to jump into a, a conversation with uh, the the guy, the host from Locked On Magic, talk a little Jabari. But before we, uh, before we jump into that, how can people find you, hear you, listen to you, all that good stuff? Yeah, absolutely. They can read what I'm writing over at AuburnDaily.com. Got a lot of great content coming out over there. They can also listen to the Locked On Kentucky podcast wherever they get their podcasts. That is Lance Daw, our guest today. We'll talk Jabari Smith in just a moment right here on Locked On Auburn. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. And joining us now here on Locked on Auburn, Locked on Magic Coast, Philip Rossman Reich. Philip, it seems like there's a big three that has formed, right? Auburn's Jabari Smith, uh, Paolo from Duke, and uh, Holmgren from Gonzaga. Of course, uh, I'm extremely biased. I think Jabari should be the guy for the Orlando Magic, but what are your thoughts? I mean, it's been a few weeks now since you guys won the lottery. Um, Give us a lay of the land from your perspective. Yeah, uh, obviously it's 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 sort of a unique draft. I mean, typically when you think about the NBA draft, there's usually like a clear cut number one guy uh, in the class. You know, yeah. whether it's you know Zion that one year, LeBron. You know, it's 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 very rare that you have two, let alone three guys, all in the running for the first pick. And and typically you see NBA people begin to like as the draft gets closer, it's like okay, this is where the team is leaning. Um, the Magic are going to keep everyone guessing. Let's let's make that clear. They do not leak anything. Uh, it's it's not going to be clear who the Magic are picking until Adam Silver uh, goes up to the podium. But uh, like you, I've been pro- I've been reading a lot of the NBA draft people. It seems like all the polling of executive executives, everyone seems to believe that the Magic are eventually going to pick Jabari Smith Jr. And honestly, that's where I'm leaning. You know, more times than not, you know, it's it's a it's a very good group of three here at the top of the top of the draft. Um, I will admit that my pick tends to change daily, sometimes hourly, sometimes sure. minutely. Um, that this last hour that we've been talking about Jabari Smith, I'm certainly on the Jabari train again. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I, I, I have typically been leaning toward Jabari Smith Jr. as the pick at number one for the Orlando Magic. He, he you know, you guys know how how good he is and and, and how varied his skills are, and, and they're all skills that the Magic need, and he checks all the boxes for this team. So, you know with 23 days to go until the NBA draft, you know, I, I think Jabari Smith is, is the betting favorite. Yeah. We were talking about this uh, before we clicked record Philip, but just looking at mock drafts right after the lottery, it seemed about 50, 50 based on which one you read 
Um, about 50% had Orlando taking Jabari. About 50% had them taking Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga. But over the next few weeks, it's pretty much all been Jabari. I mean, do you think that's just because, you know, maybe some of these riders are talking to Orlando front office people, or is it just kind of a lot of group think? I mean, what's causing this shift, do you think? I think it's definitely uh, group think. You know, okay. I, I, let, let's 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 just preface this here. Okay. The Orlando Magic do not leak anything. Like okay. I am, a, I'm in Orlando. I know yeah. people in that front office. They do not tell anyone anything. They they value their privacy. They keep their cards close to the vest. Um. So very rarely, you know, everything that I've read are saying rival executives saying, or you know, there are, are executives around the league seem to expect this to happen. Uh, we're not going to really know till Adam Silver's up at the podium on, on June 23rd. But, um, you know, Jabari Smith has been number one on a lot of people's boards for most of the season, probably from about, I would say, January, early January, maybe mid-January, all the way through the NCAA tournament. Sure. A lot of people had Jabari Smith as the number one player. And obviously, there hasn't been any games played since March for anyone yeah. um, you know, outside some of the international guys. Um, but... There, I think people are kind of just kind of rehardening and kind of after all the talk, after just kind of being a little bit bored, you know, with with their boards and trying to you know maybe create a little something or reviewing tape to kind of say, oh wait, maybe this guy is a little bit better than I thought. Um, I think everyone's kind of coming back to their mean. You know, Chuck Daly, Chuck Daly used to say, uh, you know, you're always trying to find your mean, your your mean. Water just water kind of goes up and down and then it finds its level. Yeah, I think we're starting to see everyone kind of find their level again, which was Jabari Smith is the best player in this draft and. Everyone knows that he he is a guy that the Magic like. The Magic t- tend to like defensive-minded wings. They tend to like long, long athletic wings. They tend to like guys who value the defensive end. Right. They need some three-point shooting. They they have a they have a needed forward right now. Um, it it seems like everyone kind of understands that this is a guy that that fits what the Magic are trying to do and trying to accomplish. And he's been the best player on a lot of people's boards for most of the season anyway. Yeah. So Philip, you, you mentioned that as of right now. You're you're on the Jabari train. Do you say that from okay? You think they're going to take Jabari, or do you think that that is the best move for the Magic? I would say both. Okay, um, to be perfectly honest, yeah. Um, you know, like I said, Jabari checks a lot of boxes that Orlando likes. He has a lot of skills that Orlando needs. You know, maybe the only skill that that I think there are some questions about um, are his ability to create his own shot and, and get right. get to the basket, get to the basket on his own, just kind of be that primary scorer. Um, you know, I I, I will admit this. Please don't hate me. No. Please tell your listeners not to hate me. Um, we did a mock draft literally right before the lottery. I picked Paolo Bancaro because because Paolo to me was the one guy among those top three who you know you could give the ball to. He can get you twenty. He can get you a basket in a big in a big spot. And yeah. and, and we saw him do that at Duke. And and so I took Paolo number one. I have Paolo number one on my board for a little bit, but I'm kind of starting to to track that back as I watch a little bit more tape, as I, as I learn a little bit more about Jabari Smith, as I kind of start doing my own background information um, and, and some, and certainly you've helped with that here too as well. Sure. Um, and, and, and start to kind of dig into him a little bit more, you know, Jabari, I, I think has just, he, to me, he's the safest pick. Um, you know, I, I've come to, 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 for my fans at least come to compare him a lot to Rashard Lewis. Uh, Rashard Lewis was a two-time all-star in the NBA. He was, uh, uh, one of the original stretch boards really revolutionized that position. A fantastic defender who could guard LeBron James as easily as he could guard uh, Kevin Garnett. Um, you know, he, he could play out on the wing. He could play in the post. He destroyed lo- smaller guards on the post. 
He was a, a knockdown three-point shooter. Again, revolutionized the position. Sure. Uh, position and, and revolution, helped revolutionize the way the NBA is being played right now. I think at bare minimum, Jabari Smith is that. And and so to say, that, say a guy is bare minimum, yeah. a two-time all-star, a guy who is one of the best players in Magic franchise history, that's a pretty good place to start. And so, you know, not that you should pick a guy because he's the safest pick. To me, Jabari not only has the highest floor, he also has one of the higher ceilings on this team because he's only going to get better. But if he's just what he was at Auburn, translated a little bit to the NBA, that's still a really, really good player. Yeah. So this, uh, if Jabari goes to play for the Orlando Magic, Philip, this would not be the first Auburn Tiger the Magic have taken in recent years. Obviously, they did not play together, but but Kiki, um, just talking to you before we clicked record, Philip, it sounds like um, the Magic really like Chuma Kiki. Give us kind of a give us a status update on Chuma. Yeah, Chuma Chuma is is the guy. Everyone on the uh, everyone on the team just absolutely loves him. First first and foremost, they just love Chuma the person. Sure, uh, they think he's you know you, you, you if you ever if, whenever anyone asks a Magic player who is the funniest player on the team, um, and this is a bunch of young guys. You know the the they, I think they had two players older than thirty on the roster this wow. year. Wow, yeah. Um, and Terrence Ross and, and Robin Lopez and Robin Lopez is a giant kid anyway. Um, they would all like uniformly say Chuma Okiki is the funniest guy on the team. Everybody on this team loves Chuma Okiki. That's great. Um, he, a lot of fans, you know, a lot of fans are still getting to know the, his personality. I think Chuma is a little bit, uh, a little bit shy around new people and, and shy around media settings, especially, but um, everyone loves his game here too. And, and I think a lot of it is just trying to get the most out of Chuma. Um, obviously he, he was early in his career. He was coming back from the torn ACL. I think, this last year and a bit of this year was still him recovering from that injury. It, it takes a while to recover from an injury like that. Um, and, and, you know, he's had so many little nagging injuries. It's been tough for him to find a rhythm, but every time he finds his rhythm, he becomes this knockdown three point shooter. Uh, he's a guy that, that I think the magic have a lot of confidence in to continue developing into a shooter, but more than anything else, he's already just a really lockdown defender. Um, I think he was in the, I think he was in like the, he's certainly in the top quarter of the league in steals per 75 possessions. He's oh. a guy that gets into passing lanes. He's a really tough guy to score against. And again, it's just about, can he stay healthy? Can he find his rhythm? But he's a guy that gets deflections, makes defensive plays, does all the things coaches love to do. If he gets that shooting rhythm down, he is going to be a super valuable player for, for the Magic moving forward. Hypothetically, in your mind, would Jabari and Chuma make sense playing next to each other on the floor? Absolutely. Um, and, and I think that's, Gosh, that'd be so that's the, that's the ideal of what the magic are going for. You know, maybe not that specific, you know, that, maybe not that specific pairing, but players like that. Um, okay. The magic are full of guys like Franz Wagner, you know, uh, he was, who's a rookie from Michigan last year. He's six, six foot 10 okay. kind of rangy athletic and play the three or the four. They have Jonathan Isaac still, you know, if, you know, coming back from the torn ACL himself, he's missed the last two, two seasons. He's a guy that just changes the game with his rim protection, his ability to guard, on the perimeter as well as in the paint, Chumo Kiki's much of the same mold. And, and Jabari Smith is obviously of the same mold there too. So what the Magic are really trying to build with their forwards are guys who could play together. They want to be able to put any of those four guys together and be comfortable that, hey, we're covered on the wings. Defensively, our wings are covered. You're yeah. not gonna you're gonna find it very difficult to score and get through all the arms that we have, um, kind of kind of keeping you from the paint. Uh, and obviously Chumo Kiki's already kind of established himself as a really good defender. Uh, and that's that's just a really good place from the start. So absolutely, there is, I, I would honestly say, 
there is almost a 100% chance if the Magic draft Jabari Smith, you will see both on the floor together at some point. You might even see Chuma Okiki or Jabari Smith or, or one of them playing the two so they can have three of those four guys on the court. That's so Ooh. much confidence I think they have uh, uh, in these guys defensively. I love that. I love that. Philip. if this goes the way um, we think it's going to, a lot of the folks watching and listening right now will be hopping over to Locked On Magic. How can uh, how can folks find that and find all of your work covering this team? Yeah, um, the best place, obviously, Locked On Magic is is, the, is a great place to go. We have a YouTube page. Um, you can also find us wherever you download podcasts. Search for Locked On Magic uh, wherever you download your podcast. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Philip R underscore MD. And for my written work, you can find me at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. I'm a credentialed member of the of the media covering the Orlando Magic, so I'm at almost every press conference. I will certainly be at the introductory press conference on June 24th, um, way off into the future here in a couple of weeks. Sure. Um, but uh, but you know I, I'm I'll, I'll be doing more mock drafts. I think I had Jabari Smith uh, first on my last mock draft from last week. We'll be doing player draft profiles. We'll be hitting everyone. We're trying to cover everyone around the draft. But certainly it's a it's a big off season, and and, and if you don't have an NBA team attached. The Orlando Magic, are, we're at the bottom floor here for the Orlando Magic, so it's a good time to get on. Philip, thank you so much for your time, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you so much to our guest today. A lot of fun talking football, a lot of fun talking a little NBA draft because us Auburn folks, we pay attention to that now. Very, very fun. Very, very exciting. Hey, and it is regional weekend on the plains. Good luck to the Auburn baseball team. We'll recap all the action on Monday's show. Follow me on Twitter at Z Blackerby. Read all of my written work at AuburnDaily.com. And subscribe. This has been Locked on Auburn. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.